pod tonight, just Andrew and Matt. Um, the other two losers are too busy having a life on this Friday. Uh, but we're bringing you the ALDS recap and ALCS preview. Yankees, Astros, just like everyone predicted it would be just about all season long. Um, I don't even know what number episode this is right now. Probably something I should have thought about. But uh, here we are. We're, we're ready to go and get into uh, the ALCS preview. What's up? This is the matchup everyone thought. You know, like you said, this is a matchup everyone thought. You know, the the destiny that we all saw us heading towards. So, might as well get on with it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I might as well go through the the quick three game hit in uh, like against Minnesota. Um, the only league division series that went in and out in three games. The other three all stretch the five games, so the Yankees got to feel pretty good about themselves. Um, first time in Major League history, a 100-win team was swept out of the first round of the playoffs. Um, of course, it comes at, at the hands of another 100-win team. But, I mean, what, what a battle we thought this was going to be. The two most prolific home run hitting teams in Major League history. And, I mean, I thought this was the year that the Twins were finally going to, you know, really give us some trouble. Not that I necessarily thought we were going to lose, but, I mean, I really thought this was the year that, like, we're going to have to battle through it. And, and it's same as always, right? Three games in, three games out, three wins, and, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, like, I was confident, but I was nervous. You know, like, this Twins team, you know, we were talking about it the other day. Like, this Twins team, you think of the Twins, and you're just like, oh, this is the team, right? The Yankees walk over the Twins all the time. Like, but this was a really good Twins team, and not just because they – um hit a lot of home runs. Like, a lot of people in the league are hitting a lot of home runs. Like, that's a key part of their game. But, like, you know, they had Berrios. They had Jake Odorizzi. Like, they had good players. They were a solid team. Like, and like we saw in Minnesota earlier this season, um, they hit bombs. Like, if they get hot for a couple games, um, they could do to the Yankees, kind of exactly what the Nationals did to the Dodgers, right? The lower seed, but they could sneak up on you and steal the series in a short series. So it's, you know, the Yankees were better, and thankfully they played good baseball and were able to get out of there in three games. Yeah, and even if you look at at what Tampa Bay did uh, against Houston, right? I mean, it's the same thing we did against Cleveland two years ago. You know, you go on the road, you drop the first two games. But, I mean, Minnesota had their opportunities in that third game. Had they... Pulled out. I mean, they had people on base every inning, and, and good on Severino for for battling. I mean, he looked very good. I mean, there was some some tough breaks, um, some some tough calls on, on the corner that may could have gone his way. I, I think um, some of the guys got on base were, you know, like hard hit balls that kind of got through the hole, got through shifts, whatnot. Uh, but he did a good job buckling down and not allowing them to gain momentum because that crowd was loud. They were ready to erupt, and who knows what happens if they steal Game Three. Um, at home, I mean, now you're setting up. We win, we win the next game, and we're back in a in a winner take all scenario. Uh, and, and the Yankees, you know, they didn't let it happen. You had, yeah, you had big hits from from Didi and Gardner and Glaber Torres's home run to to open it up. And I mean, again, we we said that we were expecting more from the Twins, not because we didn't have faith in the Yankees, but because this is the best Twins team the Yankees have ever faced in the playoffs dating back to 2003 when we faced them in the, in the LDS or the wildcard game. I think this was a team that, that could have done the most damage. And the fact that we were able to win in three games is 
absolutely impressive and i'm so thrilled yeah that was definitely definitely great um severino i'll I'll say just a little bit you know our review before we preview but like severino um his stuff was really good and i feel like he's you know i mean it's his what fourth fifth start of the season like He's still really early on. You know, there's still probably some rust to knock off. Like, the walks, obviously, especially against Houston, it's not what you're going to want to see. I'm channeling my Joe Girardi. But, um, like, all the pitchers, right? Tanaka, Paxton, like, everyone was just solid. And I think that this was, not to discredit them and say it was a tune-up, but, like, to play a good team and beat them soundly on all fronts was good on, like, the eve of a series against what's going to be a really difficult opponent we're all assuming. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, not too much more you could say, right. They swept the series. They went, they, they just played really good baseball and that's, that's going to get you pretty far in a lot of scenarios. We can hope that they just keep going. Right. And a couple of things that, that stood out to me in that series. Um, I'll do three good and, and, and one not so good. Um, three hitters that, absolutely looked dialed in, even though the results didn't necessarily show for all of them. Um, Edwin Encarnacion came right off the injured list and started raking. He had two doubles in game one. I think he ended the series with five or six hits, got on base, uh, maybe with a, a couple extra walks as well. I mean, he looked like he, he didn't miss a beat, right? He missed the last 10, 15 games of the regular season, and he looked completely fine. So that's a guy who you, ball, you continue. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know you have confidence in him moving forward, and that's an impact back that we didn't have when we faced Houston two years ago. Um, Gary Sanchez, uh, I think he faced 28 pitches in four at-bats in that game three win. Uh, I don't believe he even got on base once, but when he's seen ball like that, you that know that he's he's getting close. Like one hard hit single, either that or in game two, but he had one pretty, pretty hard hit single, I think. Right, right. But I mean, he, he's taking pitches. He's not swinging out of his shoes. I mean, that's good. That's good news for a really, really well-pitched, uh, you know, Houston Astros team, and they, they're, I would say, um, the best pitching staff in the American League, arguably them or, or Tampa, but um, having Gary locked in is going to be huge. And, and also, um, Didi Gregorius, I know there was a talk that everyone wanted him benched. You know, you play Luke Voigt at first, you move DJ to second, Glaber to short, and, and I know we were all on the pod here in favor of playing Didi, and, and I feel so vindicated that he came through the way he did. I mean, he has the playoff pedigree that, I mean, I didn't expect him to be a 500 hitter to hit three home runs, and he didn't do that, but he came through with big hits. Um, and then one guy who I'm a little concerned about going into the next series is Adam Onovino, who just did not look good. He didn't really look great at the end of the season either, but um, also Boone kind of made him like a, a, a righty-only matchup guy, which I don't think as well for what he I think he needs to come in and face multiple batters but he walked a lot of guys didn't look like he had a lot of control over his stuff and and maybe his confidence is starting to wane like that's concerning but we'll see how he rebounds going into the next series yeah I mean I'll, I'll react to that out of you know thing first that like I was very frustrated watching him for the last I'm not x amount of time right the last big chunk of the regular season like because and I don't know if it's like a National League versus American League. You know, he's playing pressure games for, you know, he doesn't have much experience in those types of games, like whatever it may be. But he's been kind of nibbling. He's been very frustrating to watch. And, um, like, 
it's it's definitely weird that Boone would make him like the righty specialist. You know, he brought him into face Nelson Cruz, I think, right? He was kind of nibbling. He's got the tremendous breaking balls and and movement on his pitches, but it was just it's just really weird. And this is a situation, honestly, that I just feel cries out for Dylan Batances, and it sucks that um that he's gone because Dylan Batance is a guy who could come in and get a strikeout almost whenever you need it. Like, yeah, so. we talked about midseason how the Yankees could survive in the postseason with three or four good innings from their starters because you had Green and Batances and Canley and Adovino and Britton and Chapman. You could literally just mega arm bullpen two thirds of the game. And Adovino looks like he, he's taking a step back for now. And of course, he can rebound in, in the next series and losing Dellen. Um, is a big hit to what we thought we had. No, the bullpen is still in great shape, but uh, I definitely yeah. agree that losing losing Dylan was, was it, it's showing how big of an impact it truly is. Yeah, I mean that's it's definitely he's not the first person I go to, and I I've had my own issues with the Camleys and the Britons, but those guys rounded into form mostly. You know, Camley struggled for a bit at the end of the season there. But all their recent returns have been pretty good, and Adovino just has this weird thing, right? He's just nibbling, or he's whatever he's doing, but it's just very strange, and I'd be kind of nervous, right, if you had a similar situation, like, a, you know, a couple runners on base, or, you know, I'd be very nervous to see him come into a ball game under those circumstances. Um, I'll react to your other stuff, though, because I thought that Gary Sanchez and Didi even if they weren't getting hits, right? Like Didi especially, you could see he was really trying to grind out of the slump that he was in. And the pedigree, the playoff pedigree, right? You could think of so many moments, right? The the Twins home run in 2017, he hit those two home runs against Corey Kluber. Like he's had such a hand in all these moments that you had faith. And it was so great to see him come through. Gary had, like I said, he had that hard hit single. He had moments where he thought like, oh man, Gary, you could just get a hold of one. Like, but you could, the, the one thing that you, I guess you could say experts would say is indicative of some coming big hits is just the good at bats that they're seeing the ball. So right. Gary definitely has that going for him. And I'll say, I'll transition, I guess, um, to John Carlos Stanton, because mm-hmm. he had a pretty good series in that regard as well. Um, and if you, contrast it with last year like um what all you really needed to do was what just throw a breaking ball throw it outside throw it in the dirt and he would be hacking at it like and the twins pitchers throughout the series um tested him right they threw breaking balls they threw outside pitches and he spat on them and in game one he took what three walks mm-hmm. like so and he, you know he he worked a couple good at bats he had the 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 long sacrifice fly and what was it, game two, I think? Either way. Like, um, I think, and I've seen it written about a couple of times, um, you know, that he seems like he's poised, right? He could get, he could play a huge role in this series because, and we could, you know, dive into it more in the, I guess, when you call it the preview, but there's the Yankees have upgraded, the Astros have obviously upgraded, but the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton, having him in the lineup could, play a huge role for them in this coming series. Yeah, and, and I guess just to, to close out, you know, a few injury oddities <laughs> at the end of game three, you had 
um, Zach Britton twisting his ankle, covering first base on um, a, a very nice play that uh, you know ultimately stifled what could have been a late inning rally. Um, he was pulled out of the game, just precautionary. They didn't even send him for tests. He's going to be fine. And then Chapman got hit in the wrist or the hand or whatever it was. It was his pitching hand, but uh, with, with a bottle, I don't know, glass bottle, beer bottle, whatever it may be. Uh, but he had like, this huge ice pack bandage on. I'm sure they just wanted to reduce the swelling um, right away and not let it blow up. But again, he's going to be fine too. Um, Cashman said that when he went to like dab him up, Chapman had a big smile on his face, even though he had the bandage. So I, I think they'll be and okay he there. Posted on his personal, on his Instagram account with, you know, he was there with like one of his various, you know, I don't know, health or wellness type people. And he just said, he goes, I'm going to straight from the horse's mouth pretty much. He goes, yeah, I'm fine. Like his hang, his hand got banged on a bottle, but he said it himself. He said he's absolutely fine. So yeah, I'll wipe the sweat away from our brow for that. And then one wrinkle as, as we look forward to the American League Championship Series is what's going on with Aaron Hicks? I mean, it was rumored, I think, first broke Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe. Uh, we're recording this Friday night. Uh, but Aaron Hicks sitting at home. The Yankees told him, you know what, just it's fine. We're good. Recover. We'll sit you down for the year. Come back ready for spring training. And he's thought, like, my wrist or my elbow feels good. Let's <laughs> let's try throwing. They told him not to throw, and he defied the trainers and did anyway. So much so that he sent them a, a video recording, and they're like, "Okay, come to Tampa, come to the workout facility, we'll check out." And he did, and he looked good there. And the past few days, he's been working out with the team at Yankee Stadium <laughs> while the ALDS was still going on. Um, so who knows what's going to go on with with, with him? Um, I think the quote from Boone a day or two ago was he could be starting, he could be on the bench, he could not make the roster at all. So, like, <laughs> basically any of the, the scenarios, it was the, the most vanilla answer ever. But I, I think I heard someone online say that there's more, it's looking more likely that he may actually start game one of the AL set. Like, how wild would that be? And, and more importantly, if he was to start, who do you take out of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'm... At this point, I'd say really nervous about making wholesale changes to a uh, lineup that just swept through a series against a really pretty good team. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm pretty torn on it. Like, because the simplest thing to do, right? You put in Aaron Hicks and you sit down Guardy or you sit down Giancarlo. Obviously, you're not sitting Aaron Judge, but that's the easiest most painless way to do it, except in that scenario, you'd be sitting down one Guardy, who's been the Yankees' best player probably for like a month, month and a oh, half. Oh, y'all heard that, right? Everyone listening heard. I did it. I he said, say that Brett Gardner has been their best player. <laughs> Look, I said I gave him love on one of a recent podcasts, and it's fine. Just just rub it in. I don't care. Um, you know, Guardy, you'd be sitting down their best player for about a month, month and a half. And Don Carlo, who, you know, has he had, you know, he hasn't played and he was hurt and all that type of stuff. But you know what? He's a National League MVP. So it's obviously foolish to sit a guy like that who's that incredibly talented. Um, but I th I'm just nervous about it because you can put him in center. You could put Guardian left, and then you can put Giancarlo in DH, and then you could, who knows, right? 
I feel like the way I kept going over it in my head. Maybe like that's the yeah. Like I kept going over it in my head, and the scenario I kept coming back to is like you put Edwin at first, and then you put DJ at third, and then you sit Geo. He gets the short straw. I just don't like it. You know, like I love Aaron Hicks, and maybe based on the matchups, you sit Guardy or sit someone else, and then it's it's easy to slot him in. But like, I just I'm not sure that I'd want to mess around too much with the lineup that was really good last series. So, like, and the thing about it, I guess, as it relates to Hicks, is that he just wasn't hitting when he got hurt. And maybe, who knows how long the elbow injury was annoying him or whatever, but he really wasn't hitting very well. And he takes pitches, and he's a switch hitter, and he has a tremendous cannon for an arm in the outfield, and that's all great. But, like, we're going to need to hit against this Houston, this Houston team, and I'm just concerned that having him just kind of walk off the couch and be like, oh, by the way, I'm fine, but I'm going to be playing in the American League Championship Series for my first game action in whatever, two months, month. Yeah, I agree. I, I think as far as his his elbow injury, it was pretty clear that it happened on, on a throw. I don't think it was bothering him for you know days or weeks in advance and affecting his hitting. Um, I agree that he hasn't had any big league at-bats, and you can't just throw him into a lineup in the biggest series of the year to this point. Um, but one thing about Aaron Hicks is that he is still a gold glove caliber outfielder. And, and John Carley didn't look great in, in the outfield um, for whether it's the knee still bugging him a little bit or the fact that he just hasn't been out there, you know, running around in I mean, shape for, for the last six either. months. Yeah. And I mean, you, you saw the, the method that the, the Yankees were doing all throughout the LDS, right? John Carley plays six innings, gets three at bats. They put in Maven. And I think, you know, no, no disrespect to Maven, he's a good outfielder. Um, he had some moments as well, but I mean, Aaron Hicks is, is far and away uh, a, a premier outfielder compared to, to Cameron Maven. So I think yeah. you could do the same thing, especially in games where you have the lead um, and, and you don't necessarily need John Carlos bat in there at that point and you value defense more. You have an outfield of Judge, Hicks, and Gardner for the last two or three innings to get you know, the last few outs of the game, I, th- I think that has a lot of value. I don't agree with putting him in the starting lineup. And I don't, ultimately, I don't think they will. Um, just yeah, because you're, you're going to force feed him four at bats a night, four or five at bats a night. And he hasn't faced major league pitching in two months. Yeah, I think that's something that even now, I feel like we all heard the name and got like super confused and hyped and like maybe got carried away. Like, I think what you just said is pretty, pretty realistic scenario where they just spot him you know they play him like as a defensive replacement like maybe a pinch runner or you know wherever they need to but like because he's a very capable player he's a willing uh, aggressive base runner he's pretty quick he's not a bad base dealer like he can do a lot of things and still affect the game without starting where you know I mean John Carl didn't face pitching for too too much of the season but you know he's more ahead of probably where Hicks is. And like I said a few minutes ago, I think Giancarlo is poised. I think he's seeing the ball really well and has the potential to have some, you know, big hits in this series where I wouldn't want to take that out just because Hicks is, you know, a quote-unquote a starter or, you know, a better outfielder. In mm-hmm. I just think that changing the lineup that dramatically to get him back to where he usually is, which is a starting center fielder, would not just it's just not a good idea in my opinion it would it would it's too much change 
just for that one player. Yeah, and we agree that that we all agree that Gardner batting third is a little weird, but you know what? They scored twenty three runs in three games, so uh, I mean it's working. So uh, I'll allow it. Uh, one last note on on Hicks, and then we can move ahead to um, the actual game previews against the Astros. Um, if he was to be even even if he was just to make the roster, um, regardless of whether he starts or not, I mean, whose spot does he take? Uh, Jack Curry was on uh, with. Um, Bart Scott and Maggie Gray this afternoon on WFN, and he was actually talking about that, and he thinks that it might be a Tyler Wade who is is the fall guy, as opposed to um, people were were rumored that maybe Maben they may take an extra bench player and then cut a pitcher. Um, I mean, the easiest, the cleanest way is you know if Sabathia gets on, and we we, we could talk about him as well. Um, CC probably takes Tyler Lyons' spot, uh, but if they want to carry one less pitcher, uh, they can go ahead and just slot in Hicks. But if they want to uh, keep a 13-man pitching staff, then um, probably Tyler Wade is the one who, who pays the price. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I mean, Glaber and DD kind of cover each other in the infield. Um, Gio and uh, DJ are kind of, um, you know, corners only. Uh, I do like Tyler Wade's flexibility, both infield and outfield, and his speed. But, I mean, if you're going to have to fit a guy like Aaron Hicks on, I don't see them taking Cameron Maven off the roster. I mean, he even in a pinch hit situation at a home run in game three. Um, so he's a good guy to have on the roster and have available as needed. Um, moving forward to the the actual games, we officially got our, our starting rotation just about an hour before we went live here. Um, so game one is going to be Zach Greinke versus Masahiro Tanaka. Game two, Justin Verlander on regular rest, unfortunately, because he didn't look good at all on three days rest against Tampa Bay. It'll be Justin Verlander versus James Paxton. And then game three at Yankee Stadium, the Luis Severino versus Garrett Cole. And I have a quote here saved um, that came up right before we went live. It's from Aaron Boone talking about Garrett Cole. And, I mean, there's really nothing to say other than you know, like how unbelievable he was in the ALDS against Tampa Bay. But the quote from Aaron Boone says, he looked like he aged out or something. Like, check his birth certificate. He's like the kid still pitching in Little League that was too good for the league. So, you know, like the Danny Almonte. Is that who, is that who it was? I don't know. The kid, like, 20 years ago who was pitching no-hitters. Yeah. Danny like Almonte, the 14-year-old pitching against 11-year-olds, yeah. Yeah, right. So so that, that's how Boone compared Garrett Cole. Obviously, there's no age brackets in the major leagues. But, I mean, that's how he looks right now. And I, I think the only thing that we have going in our favor is that we get him on the road, and that definitely plays in our favor. But, I mean, those three, I mean, that's the, the pitching troika that we were, you know, afraid of when Astros went out and got Zach Greinke. I don't think people projected him to be the game one starter. Thank you, Tampa Bay, for making that a reality. But when they went out and got Zach Greinke, it's like they have those three guys. That's it. The season's done. doesn't matter what the Yankees do. Just give the Astros the pennant now. You know, that that facts of Yankees Twitter. Um, so it's not going to be easy by any means. But how do we feel about, you know, game one facing Zach Greinke and potentially being able to steal home field advantage and take an early 1-0 lead against and not having to face JV or call in the process. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty much the best case scenario given the um, the hand that we're dealt here. Like, kudos to, uh, to Tampa Bay because they're a very good team and not just to say, like, oh, we need you to just ride it out and help us out here. Like, they could have won 
and they took it to the limit and uh you know it didn't work out but the backup of that is that we do have a favorable as favorable scenarios we could get right you don't get to see cole um until game three uh which is you know he's the one i'm scared of most he just looks like an absolute monster mm-hmm. and um well you know grinky he's a very good pitcher in his own right but he has a career postseason era of about four and a half so his last three or his last three or four starts i believe is over nine so he looked yeah. very pedestrian against um, Tampa Bay in game three. Again, that was on the road. I know he has better home road splits, as most pitchers do. But even if you go back to, I believe it was the wild card game in 2017, maybe. It was whenever it was Arizona versus Colorado. He got smacked around in that game, too. And yeah, Arizona he, won that game because they, they put up huge runs early against John Gray, I want to say. But Granke almost gave it all back. He looked bad in that, too. Yeah, I mean, that's to have tip, uh, Houston have these three guys and get to face Granke. Um, is the best case scenario for the Yankees. Verlander is Justin Verlander. The Yankees know Justin Verlander. You know he didn't look great the other night, and um, but I mean, I think they can beat these guys. It's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be an easy game. It's gonna be stressful and horrible to watch probably, but they can beat these guys. And starting with Grinky, go out there in Houston and beat him. He's not coming off a good start. He. I don't know if it's just the way he is, but he was very weird in his interview today. He was, I don't know. And even before game three, too, when he was interviewed um, in Tampa Bay before game three. Like, how, how do you feel about your first start with the Astros um, with the chance to close out the series? He's just like, uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and pitch. It's like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, like, I really don't know what that's all about. If that's just, you know, if he's like, you know, I don't know, Greg Popovich or Marshawn Lynch, where he just doesn't like talking to the media. But, like, it's not like, you know, the Justin Verlander confidence or, you know, he, he's just – maybe that's just the way he is. But, like, I feel like if I was a Yankees player and you were trying to, like, look for a thing, like smell blood in the water, I would have watched that press conference and been like, hey, like, maybe he's not comfortable in Houston or on this stage or whatever it may be. I think, you know, Aaron Boone has to throw his absolute best. You know, it's the league championship series, so it seems like a silly thing to say, but he just has to throw his absolute best and try and steal game one in Houston and then mm-hmm. and then just get home. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Verlander allowed a lot of home runs this year. I'm not going to say that they're just going to tee off against him because any realistic fan believes in our bats. But you expect Verlander to pitch into the seventh inning. Um, if we could keep that game close, or even ha- have him leave, leave with, with the game tied by chance, I like our bullpen versus their bullpen. If you could steal a game that Verlander or Cole or both by some chance pitch in, and not necessarily, they don't even have to be the ones who take the loss, right? I mean, you just have to stay in the game. Just yeah, me. I mean, so you're looking at guys like, I, I believe it's going to be. Paxton and Severino, who are going to match up with them in two and three, and also potentially six and seven. Um, if those guys can keep the games close, I like our, our odds with, with our bullpen, and I like our offense against their bullpen. Um, you, you may have to steal a game in the late innings that way, but, I mean, that's October baseball, right? I mean, this is 
I mean, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be stressful. It's going to take years off our life. But if you can do that, I mean, you don't have to go out and score five runs off Verlander in the first inning. If you can, phenomenal. But there's avenues to win games without that that scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, these are the two best teams. People said it all year long. Like, you know, Houston, they look great. Like, Yankees had a really good record against teams with winning records this year. Like, that was the one thing that I'd say, if anything, obviously people are going to draw parallels back to 2017. Like, that's the biggest thing in my mind, in my eyes. Like, the maturation of this particular group, right? The Judges and the Stantons and, and you know, Gary and... Glaber and whoever else, right? Stanton wasn't here, but, you know, that particular core group, the maturation of just, you know, going from the plucky underdogs, right? No one expected them to make it to the LCS in 2017, but doing that and then going to this front running, you know, they beat everyone. They win series. They, they barely lost any series, right? Whoever comes in and they beat them and they... You know, they beat the Red Sox a lot this year. Like, any good team, right? They were competitive in all those games and all those series. So, like, this is the matchup we were all waiting for. And Houston's a good team, but the Yankees are a good team, too. And I think they can be, they can win this series. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in four or five games as much as I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in six or seven games. Right, is- right. And, and that's the thing. If you can win in four, five, or six games and just avoid having to face Cole in a do-or-die game in Houston, I mean, that, that's it right there. That's And, and you know, even remember 2017, we took a 3-2 lead back to Houston, and they cleaned up on, on home turf. And I'd like to avoid that scenario if at all possible. Of course, that requires us winning at least one of two in Houston and then not losing any game in, in New York, which is a tall order. But um, anything right. to avoid facing Cole in a Game 7 scenario, because look what he did last night with his team's back up against the wall. He went out and he pitched eight innings, dominate, like, like Boone said, it didn't even look like he was playing people in his own league, right? It looked like he was up there against high schoolers, just mowing them down. And Tampa, um, they're, they're a gritty group. But they're not, you know, a full lineup of established vets, the, the caliber of Houston or us or Boston or L.A. or someone like that. Um, so we'll see how, how much Adari is going from facing you know, some major league hitters, like good guys like Willie Adamas, G-Man Choi, Tommy Pham. These guys all had good years. Um, and I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I think our lineup is, is a whole other animal. And I'm curious to see how um, that dichotomy, um, you know, plays off. Um, for for when Cole's on the mound. Yeah, I mean, that, and it's not necessarily going to play in right away. What I was going to say, like, to throw it back yet again, we're going to be doing this forever, to throw it back to 2017, if I had to sum up the series in a few short words, I would just say score in Houston, right? Like, they were totally incapable of doing that. In 2017, the home game won every single uh, every single game. Home team won every single game of that series, and you know they they got kind of smacked around. They didn't look really competitive in the first two games of the series in Houston. They went home and it was totally different. And then they went back to Houston for Game Seven, and it was they just went to sleep. Right, like mm-hmm. just um, yeah. I mean. Tampa Bay, it's obviously impressive. They won 90 games 
back in 2018, and they were another. They were just really good. They made it to us one game, the LCS. So, but that's not Aaron Judge and Edwin and Gary and you know you know the guys. Like it's not that. And I think more than anything, it'll just be their ability to put stress on these guys to work long at bats. Right, the the Gardner type eight, nine pitch at bat that he's so good at putting together. You know, Gary had a couple of those, you know, Aaron judge has got the eye, like all, just all the guys, right. Just put together those at bats, make them work for these. Don't let them go up there and just look at strike one and strike two. And then you have to flail and like, you just make them work for it. And I think that like, I don't know. I just think they can beat these guys. It's not, you know, there's a lot of formula to it, but there's also some feel to it. And I just like I'm not scared because Yankees have risen to the occasion against these t- type of teams throughout the season. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those scenarios where you could you could see Houston, you know, being the behemoth that they are, but you can also see us, you know, totally rising to the occasion where we're not the underdogs, quote unquote, anymore. I mean, we we will be the underdogs in this series um, if. For no other reason than home field advantage and the fact that they had a better regular season record, but I think these two teams are about as even as they can get. Um, so I mean, you you can see our bats getting shut down just because we haven't faced pitchers like they have, um, but you can also see our bats giving their pitchers problems in a way that no other team has. Um, so it, it really, really just remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually wanted to do a thing where like, if you had to pick one player. Pitcher, batter, whatever. You had to pick one player who is, in your eyes, the most important person in this series. Who would it be? Um, I'll give you. I'll give you um, some some time to pick it out here, and, and I'll go first. For me, it's Masahiro Tanaka. Not only because he takes the ball in Game One, but by giving him the ball in Game One, they also give him a start back at Yankee Stadium, where he's been absolute nails throughout his career in the postseason. Tanaka, I don't know how Zach Granke is going to pitch in game one, but if Tanaka can go out there and shove and shut down a very potent Houston offense and give our team a chance to win, you know, like I said before, taking game one could be the biggest momentum shift in the entire series. Again, I mean, that's not to say, oh, that's it, we win game one, the whole series is, is in the bag, but that's a huge game changer when right off the bat you have a series lead. And you've taken back home field advantage. And remember, neither of these teams has ever trailed in the postseason this year. Not not in an individual game, but actually been down in the series. The Yankees won three straight. Houston was up 2-0. Tampa Bay came back to tie it, and then Houston won. So no team is in, in a series deficit. So whoever wins game one will put the opponent in a situation they haven't been in yet. Um, so Tanaka in game one, and then also back in game five. I have no idea where the series will be through four games. But whatever he can do in Game 5 will be monumental towards giving us a chance to ultimately go to the World Series. Or if he's not so strong, basically the writing on the wall that, that Houston will have this locked up. So, so you really don't know where it's going to be five games from now. You don't know where it's going to be two games from now. But Tanaka is my guy who I think is going to have the biggest impact one way or the other uh, in our success this year in the series. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's... That's, that's definitely a good point. It's. I feel like we made so much, you know, we made so much about our lineup versus their guys that there's probably a lot to be talked about, like their lineup versus our guys. But I guess to answer your direct question, I would say 
Yeah, I mean, I've been puffing him up. I gotta say, John mm-hmm. Carlos Stanton, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured that's where you were going. It's easy to say, like Aaron Judge or Didi or whoever, you know, Chapman. Like, you expect those guys to. Yeah, I mean, know what you're gonna get from them, right? Stanton, I feel like he's so, so close, man. Like, and it's weird because, you know, last year he, you know, he had 38 and 100 plus RBIs. Like, it's not bad, right? Obviously, his performance in the postseason left a lot to be desired. And this, this this regular season was incredibly disappointing for him with all the injuries. Like, I just think he looked really good, man. And he didn't necessarily hit a home run or get a bunch of hits. Like, but I just feel like he's so poised, man. He's so close. And he, he spat on all those pitches. They were trying to, you know, bait him into flailing at those pitches, and he didn't do it. And I feel like if he's seen the ball like that, eventually he's just going to – he's just going to connect. And I – oh, my God. Like, that's – you know. Yeah, could you imagine like how how much of a like how big of a moment that would be? Late in the game, Stanton hits like a huge game momentum shifting home run. I mean, Yankees fans far and wide on talk show, uh, on the radio, uh, on Twitter, people I see at work <laughs> are like I'm ready know. with pitchforks and torches, and he can change that narrative real quick. Like I don't know, I don't know if he reads it. I don't even care. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he cares to read it. Like, but I just think he needs it. I think whether or not he's looking at his Twitter comments, like you know, like Kevin Durant does. Like, I don't think he really cares, but I think he's aware of it. And I mean, A Rod would probably tell you, right? He was the high price guy with expectations for a bunch of years before he had that epic 2009 postseason, like it wears on you and I think he just wants it so bad that and I I just I feel like he had so many good at bats that he's just poised and even it could be like you know a late inning just absolute monster solo home run like I feel like he just needs to connect and I feel like he could have a monster series if he if he gets a hit early you know game one if he gets a hit early in the series that it could it could set him off, and we know how 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 he can go off. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a home run. I mean, that's all what we expect from him. You know, a guy who challenged um, the non-steroid inflated all-time home run record just two years ago. Um, you expect that when he makes you know, a big impact in the game, it's going to be via the home run. But you know, bases loaded, one out. Us down a run in the seventh inning, he hits a, a single in the gap, and that scores two runs. I mean, like that that, <laughs> that would forever change his legacy. A, a hard hit, base knock like that. So, like you um, saw it too. He was on base. He got walks. He was rounding the bases. He was hyped. You know, teammates driving in runs. Like he's in it. He's mm-hmm. he's here. He's in it. He wants it. Like he he hasn't necessarily connected with that hit yet, but it, it's I feel like it's coming and and. This is the moment for it to happen. I feel like he's so, so on the cusp of it happening. Right, right. That's and, my guy. You know that we will be so hype, you know, when, if that were to happen. I, I'm, I'm ready for that, too. Dude, you know, I mean, he's just one of those guys, though. Like, Judge, too, right? They hit these monster home runs. Like, But Stanton's home runs are different, dude. Like, mm-hmm. so, tip of the cap to Giancarlo. I'm, I'm putting a lot on him this series, and I hope that he can... Oh my God! I hope that he just more than one would be great, but I'd settle for one, right? Just an absolute bomb. 
set the tone for the series. <laughs> so I, I don't think it makes sense for us to you know, give our series predictions. I mean, I, we've already you know beat the, the the horse dead here that these two teams are too evenly matched that the series can be too unpredictable. It doesn't make sense for us to say, oh, who's going to win and how many games? I mean, we're going right. to do, just like we did for the LDS, we're going to do you know, post-game recaps each at a time, and we can kind of get a, an idea of where the series is going to go after game two, after game three, whatever it may be. But um, I, I think we're just we're blowing hot air if we, we say here today, oh, I think the Yankees are going to win in six. Oh, Astros in five. Astros, you know, whatever it may be. Like, there's no need for us to do that. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a prediction better served for when you, like, if I have to make a cross-sport reference, we've kind of panned those on this podcast before, but, you know, like a boxing match. You got a couple guys that come out and run one and kind of feel each other out. They're like, once once we see game one, right, once we hit see how they are under the pressure, under the lights, you know, maybe you can make a prediction then. But until then, like, people have, like have knocked Brian Cashman, right, for the pitching and for a lot of other things. Frankly, I think it's pretty silly. But, I mean, I feel like he's put together about as good of a team, right? If you had, he, he has to know in 2017 and 2018 that Houston's the guys that are going to be there. And I feel like he's put together a team, and this has been on his mind, right? How am I going to beat Houston in the LCS to get to the World mm-hmm. Series? Like, yep. this is the team. And... They didn't have the best record, but the Yankees are a really good baseball team. Yeah, it's wild. I think this is arguably the best Yankees team we've seen this decade, and that includes the 2009 World Series champions. I mean, they won 103 games as well, but I feel like this team has a different feel to them. Of course, there was no Houston Astros standing in our way back in 2009. In fact, the Astros were in the National League at that point, <laughs> and also a perennial bottom feeder. The point of the matter means is that yeah. um, this is probably the best team we've seen in a very, very long time. It's just unfortunate that there's, there's another equally as good team that still stands in our way. But um, like, this is it. You know, we draw, threw all of our chips on the table. If I had to draw a parallel, I guess, to 2009, like maybe there wasn't like as good, right? There wasn't like a Houston caliber team like opposing them in the American League. But like they played the Angels that year. Angels had a psychological yeah, like, the Angels were the team. Like, the Angels had their number for a lot of years. And I feel like we were all so nervous, even if they weren't on paper, like, a comparable, quote-unquote, comparably talented team or whatever. But, like, Angels had their number for a lot of years. And beating them that year was just such a relief that, like, you know, not that this is, like, a years-long thing. It's been two years. The Yankees and Houston are obviously very good, but, like, I feel like it's that kind of thing, right? And just in general, it's kind of selfish to be like, oh, well, how dare we have to face another team? Like, it's the postseason. This is the best. So you're going to have to beat good teams and the best teams. And not to say it's more satisfying, but it's very satisfying when your team, when you beat good teams and you can confidently say, like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we were the best. We were the best in the American League because we beat the best. Like, if the Yankees were, were to go to the World Series, they would have had to take them down two other 100-win teams. And I, I can't recall the last... I, I think the last time they had to do that was 2001, right? When they, they had to go through the Moneyball A's in the first round and then the 116-win Mariners in the LCS. I think that's the only other time in history that 
a team has had to beat two other 100 win teams to go to the World Series. Um, I'm sure there's another one, whether it be our, us or not, that I'm not thinking of. But you know that that validates everything you're saying. That if you're going to raise that trophy three weeks from now, four weeks from now, you know that you know that's forever stamped that you took out a 107 win team um, that, by all accounts, everyone picked um, to win before the season, during the season, and at the start of the postseason. Um, so, so we'll see w- w- what happens. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, and I guess this has been this has been. I, I guess I teased it earlier in the show. It's been bugging me for a minute here, so I'm just going to say, um, if I had to throw out another X factor, I'll say Luis Severino because you said Tanaka. Obviously, it's incredibly important to get off the start, but like Severino, man, he just looked. Like the walks are concerning, but his stuff looked so good, man. His like, and he has he doesn't have innings on his arm, so maybe he's fresh and healthy. But dude, like, his stuff looks so electric. And yeah, and imagine back, how loud like, that stadium is going to get. Oh, uh, yeah, he pitches game three at home. Like Severino, and I, you know, I mentioned it a couple minutes ago, right? Houston, where in 2017, they looked so strong at home and then they came up and they're even on record. There was interviews, right? They said like that stadium, Yankee stadium was crazy, dude. Like they said it unnerved them because of how, and I was even there for game four, the comeback game, coincidentally, like that place was raucous, dude. People knocked the new Yankee stadium for not being the old Yankee stadium pretty much, but that place was so, so good. It's a, as much of a home field advantage as you could possibly ask for. And Severino, man, that fastball feeding off that crowd, you know, he's got that big game guy in him. You know, he's risen to the occasion the 2017 against the Indians. Like, man, I feel like if, if all the chains are off, if he's unleashed, dude, if they just go out there and let him go, man, we could see a special ass star from Severino, man. I just, I'm very high on Severino for this series. That's just that one can only hope, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I mean, you know, look, I'll, I'll, I'll channel it right here, right? Ric Flair, man. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And Houston is the man. Let's let's go get him. I'm excited. Uh, we'll be here. We'll be back with you guys on, I, I guess, tomorrow night after game one. Um We'll probably record, I guess that game will probably end around midnight because all these playoff games last four hours. But um, hopefully we have uh, the full crew with us uh, by then and, and we'll we'll break down game one. Uh, again, it's going to be Zach Greinke versus Masahiro Tanaka. I would expect the Yankees to roll out the same starting lineup. Um, don't see why the Astros wouldn't roll out their best lineup as well. And you know, the gloves will finally come off and we'll see what happens. Let's go get them.